right, all right, all right. Day 126. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so this is day two of the Song of Songs. So remember, we talked a little bit just to recap about how this is a poem. There's a ton of imagery and you have to be thoughtful about how you engage uh, with the imagery in how you interpret it. Um, but one of the things that we did see is that what is clear is that it is a king and his bride. Some believe it to be Solomon, others do not. Um, however, it is a king and his bride. And you see movement, right, in this book where they are betrothed um, and then they are married and they have the procession. And then you see what life is like after uh, they are married, right? So last time we left off with the wedding and the consummation between Solomon and the bride. And verses, the first few verses of chapter five are tricky and people disagree. But I take the view that, um, yeah, they consummated in four, right? They married, consummated their marriage in four. And verse one, you, this is why the king speaks of the gratitude and pleasure he has from his wife, right? Now, what we have here, once that has taken place, is what many would say is a dream, right? Based on what goes on and also literary clues, such as her mentioning that she was sleeping, but her heart was awake, verse two. Um, and I won't go through every detail, but basically she isn't with her husband in this dream. He's knocking on the door. She comes to the door and finally gets up uh, to let him in. And then he's gone, right? So after that, she goes and looks for him. And then she goes out into the city and the guards of the city beat and wound her. What is going on? All right. So again, interpretations vary, but in some form or another, most people agree that what has happened here is that there is some type of riff conflict and need for reconciliation in the marriage relationship, right? That must happen between the couple and there's pain and hurt on both sides for the bride and for the man. I think regardless of the details, again, the point I think the text is trying to make for us is this, at least on this side of heaven and east of Eden, this side of the fall of humanity, right? Where sin has entered the world as blissful as, and, and as expectant as we can be for marriage and this intimate love relationship, it is not always easy, right? I think anybody who has experienced any of this would say amen, right? It is not you get married and live happily ever after, right? There are going to be real problems, issues, and frustrations that can hinder and will hinder connection in that intimate love relationship. So we ought to adjust our expectations accordingly, right? However, as my man John O would say, shout out to John O, he couldn't be on the podcast today, but um, we are to live at the intersection of honesty and hope, right? Honesty about reality and hopefulness about potentiality, right? What could be, honesty about what is, hopeful about what could be. Song of Songs, um, chapter six. Nonetheless, in the midst of the distance, uh, you may feel, right, towards your spouse or mate, um, the onus is on both of you to seek out one another, right? Intimate pursuit, hear this, intimate pursuit of one another doesn't stop after the vows, but it actually truly starts after the vows, right? And so we have in chapter six, what many would say is the couple reunited. And by the language he uses, he obviously is thanking and praising her. And so he calls her as beautiful as Terzah and Jerusalem, right? And those words should be familiar to you because and we haven't gotten to First Kings yet this year, but um, the capital of the Northern Kingdom initially was Terzah and it later became Samaria. Um, we'll talk about that later. But in the capital of um, the Southern Kingdom was Jerusalem, right? And, um, you know, I would take the rest, the next, uh, the rest of these next few verses to mean that the man is basically comparing the amazing, here, this blessing and gift 
that his bride is to the promised land that the Lord had gifted his people. Right. So his gratitude for her was expressed because he realized she was a beautiful gift from God. And I think we need to remember today that we can't let our gaze keep us from looking up. Right. We can't let our gaze at our spouse and our mate and our um, intimate other that the Lord has gifted us with keep us from looking up at God. Right. And we have to remember what all comes from the the king and the bride uh, exemplify that. Well, here, chapter seven, we come to seven and we get more praise for the other as the man takes the lead. And he says um, this in verse five and six, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, the hair of your head like purple cloth, a king could be held captive in your tresses how beautiful you are and how pleasant my love with such delights notice the biblical imagery once again and the royal imagery that he uses to describe her from top to bottom i think scripture is trying to give us major hints at the deeper meaning of the story once again the bible is yes procreation pro-physical world right notice how he affirms once again the dignity of her actual physical body we talked about that in the wisdom literature on last episode and the beauty of it and the lord um has, has given us these bodies right in particular and specifically to uh, uh glorify him uh with them and not be ashamed of how we look because he has made us how we look right all that kind of stuff um but he has this uh, deep contemplation of his beloved and by the end of this poem in this chapter he expresses in his proper context the enjoyment of her body as well verse eight or chapter eight set me as a seal on your heart as a seal on your arm Hear this for love is as strong as death. I love that this love story is kind of summed up at the end by the power of love. All right. So she will mention that it is as strong as death, meaning that it has the type of gravitational pull and tuck on our affections and our hearts that are oftentimes irresistible analogous to death. We often can't help what we what and who we love right it is as powerful as it is mysterious much like death is and then she talks about jealousy right so this is a summation of love um she talks about jealousy and when this word is used in the old testament specifically we tend to read in (laughs) uh, modern meanings of what jealousy is but just carefully thinking about how it's used in the old testament in particular it is usually used in some of the new testament as well it is usually used for god and his people god is a jealous god for his people meaning that he desires them exclusively and alone and there are no other gods that are to come between god and his people and then finally it is the mentioning of this love being priceless I think the story, as we've said before, obviously has layers and dimensions and all throughout the Old Testament, you know, Yahweh, marital relationship with his people, New Testament, Christ, church. And with this intense love that deeply desires, that deeply pursues and deeply delights in, deeply is deeply jealous for and can't be purchased with no amount of cash is best seen, not just on the human level of marriage, but on the uh, heavenly level of God and man. And I think here also the garden imagery that we see throughout the book echoes back to the first marriage in Genesis one and two. Remember the Bible man is so like intricately connected, right? It is, it will blow 
your mind the further you go and see how deeply tied in the threads of scripture are. But in Genesis one and two, we had this unhindered fellowship between man and woman void of shame and selfishness. And I think the scripture is showing us because of the work of Christ, we can have whiffs and glimmers of what that was like for them in human marriage on earth now. But I think ultimately it shows us where we are all headed as well. That one day, hear this, one day when the bridegroom comes back to get us, we will have something even greater than they experienced and far greater than anything we can experience now in an earthly relationship. We will be fully known, fully loved, and ultimately changed and transformed because of the deep desire, pursuit, delight, and jealousy that the God of the universe has for us. Let's pray. God, I pray that as we think and reflect on this text, that we will remember how much you delight in us. God, I pray that we would live out of that truth today and not base how we live um, uh, not, not base that truth, uh, on how we live today. God, uh, I pray that you would help us to remember this and to love you with all the fervor that you desire from us. Give us grace as we go. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.